It is Wednesday, March 24, uh, 31st, rather, 2021. This is Messiah Matters number 338. It's Casual Passover Wednesday. My name is <laughs> Caleb Hegg. A.K.A., or wait, also known as Day 3 of the Omer. I'm Rob Vanhoff. That's right. That is correct. Tonight will be four. So Rob and I didn't really have a chance to talk very much before we came on because, uh, yeah, we, we were a little bit late. And uh, so what's up, man? I am uh, continuing to do, you know, we've got the home stuff that we're dealing with, which is frustrating. But I am, I'm just so thankful to God. I love this season. I love all the ways you can eat matzah. We've had matzah pizza. Last night, we had taco salad. And I crunched up pieces of matzah in it instead of corn chips. That was fun. So in the chat room right now, by the way, people are uh, po- posting um, different matzah recipes. So nice. that's pretty fun to look at. Fried egg, hot sauce, cheese, bit of maple syrup, and matzah. This AM. Nice. Ooh, nice. Hey. <laughs> I love this one. My, my favorite is ma- matzah nachos. Somebody says, can you please post <laughs> ingredient or like the direct instructions for this? And he, he Lee writes back, meat, cheese, matzah, microwave. <laughs> microwave. <laughs> yep. Some sour cream on there. Done. But we've been, we've gone through two, like at Trader Joe's, they have the big smoked salmon. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Things. And they're, they're spending, it's like 20 bucks a thing. We got two of those gone. It's like matzah, cream cheese, salmon. Done. And reading in uh, Luke 24 yeah. the other day, and it's where Yeshua goes to, he appears to him in Jerusalem on re- the day of the resurrection. Yeah. And they give him broiled fish and he eats it. I'm like, ah, hey, yes. <laughs> hmm, did he put that on matzah? Mm, <laughs> yes. All right. We got a lot to uh, talk about today. And we and <clears throat> being that it is in the middle of Passover, uh, give me just a second. Let me uh, let me clear my throat here. And being that it is the middle of Passover, um, we're going to jump right into it. Before we do, let's just tell you this. Comment line 253-465-3205. I'm going to give it to you again. Write it down. It's 253-465-3205. Still waiting for one of our supporters to make a jingle out of that. Uh, I know we got some musicians laying around. So your work is in front of you. 253-465-3205. I don't know. So do something. Come on. Uh, you can also shoot us an email, chegg at torresource.com. It's C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. If you are not counting the Omer... Or if you are wondering about blessings or blessing booklets for this season, whether it's Shavuot, whether it's Passover, whether it is Counting the Omer, uh, then there's one thing you need to do, and that is go to our sponsor, TorahResource.com. That's right. This show is produced by TorahResource.com, and on our homepage, you can find all sorts of free resources for this season, and that'll change out as we get further into the season as well. Um, So, yeah. You go to Torah Resource and find all sorts of there's we have everything from paid to free stuff on the on the site. And by the way, I don't know, I'm gonna I'm gonna let out a little secret about Torah Resource. A lot of people don't know this, but if, if people will go and shop at uh, at the at the store, and we have multiple options. We have like buy a book, you know, get audio, MP3s, all that kind of stuff. If you go to other materials in the store. Uh, at Torah Resource, there's a library membership. In the library membership, many people don't know this, everything that Torah Resource produces, 
that is in digital format can be accessed in the library. The library is 100 bucks a year. So for $100, for te- less than $10 a month, you can get access to our entire catalog. That's, that's your little sweet. Yeah, that's your little uh, tip of the day. Uh, go get a, a library membership, and uh, it's good for an entire year. You can download and keep whatever you download. So, I mean, technically, I don't think anybody's ever done this, but technically speaking, you could go in and just take the time to download the entire catalog of Torah Resource uh, in digital format, and then you'd have it. That's on pretty computer. darn cool. It's amazing. Um, and, of course, don't forget the most important thing that you can do today on this third day of the Omer is subscribe to this YouTube channel if you're not already. Click the subscribe button, click the thumbs up, and uh, click the bell. There's three clicks. That's what you should do. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. ding. Uh, Lots going on in the chat room today. Uh, And so if you're not part of the chat room, jump in. And uh, if you are watching this later, that's totally fine. We'll just, you can just leave comments as you so please. Okay, here we go. Uh, now, let's let's recap just a little bit for people who were not here last week or the week before. Apparently, we kind of hit a hornet's nest. And the way that we did that was... Talking about something we've talked about a million times yeah, Exactly. <laughs> it's like people just realized what we were saying or something like that. Basically, what's going on is is I have done a lot of work on, um, on meal customs in the first century. Now... I'm by no stretch of the imagination an expert on this subject. However, I have done some research. Um, and what one of the things that I found is that a lot of the rabbinical tradition that we have in the Passover Seder, in the traditional Jewish Passover Seder, is very late. And not only is, it, is some of it very late, but even the stuff that comes in early. Uh, so, for instance, we'll give the one that I always give, <clears throat> the Afi Komen, if you don't know what that is, the afikoman is a piece of bread that is put into a, uh, a, a cloth and then hidden somewhere in the room. After the meal, the kids have to try to find the afikoman. Well, this is a Jewish tradition. If you ask people, uh, you know, non-believing Jews, what does afikoman mean? The answer is it means dessert. Well, there's no word in Greek, Aramaic, Hebrew, or any other root that it could be that would mean dessert. So where did this word come from? Well, if you do some uh, research, um, Melito of Sardis is the first person who uses this term. Uh, it's actually a Greek word, afikomenos, which means the coming one. And so uh, it is my hypothesis. Actually, it's not mine. I'm, I ripped this off of somebody else. Uh, it's my suggestion, though. I will suggest it on this show that uh, afikomen, the afikomen actually comes from a Christian tradition. And they just kind of ripped it off and said, yeah, we're going to use this and, and now we're going to make it mean something else. And uh, this actually is kind of a running theme within uh, the Passover Seder. Is, is, and there's nothing wrong with this. And I need to say this so that people can hear this loud and clear. Just because something is a Roman custom does not mean it's a pagan custom. And I gave this example last week or the week before. Just because Americans and you know Western culture uses forks as a dinner custom doesn't make it pagan. At nor does our chopsticks pagan because they are uh, used in Asian culture, in some Asian culture, I should say. Um, that, that, that's not the case. And so just because something comes from a Roman meal custom and the Jews use it in their Passover Seder doesn't mean that we're suggesting that the Passover Seder in and of itself is pagan or that these traditions are pagan. 
That's not what we're saying. And, and right. there's different. Well, it's like uh, an extreme example is we use Arabic numerals to and, do math. Yeah. Yep. We divide a circle into 360 degrees. Okay. Those like, a, I think the 360 degree circle goes back to ancient Sumer, right? It, it doesn't mean we're godless, you know, it's just, there's a way that tools and technology and ways of categorizing thought and ways of doing things are seen to be helpful. There's kind of a utilitarian aspect to that, that it's, that it's not religious. You know, I gotta, I gotta admit that there are, I have my breaking points. I do. And I think people kind of know Caleb, that about you've... me. I know, I know. I don't have my Hoff goes off moments uh, really in, in certain ways, but the YouTube comments every once in a while will just really get to me. And the reason why is because people don't, I mean, they haven't thought out what they're talking about in some cases. Now, some of the comments that we get are just absolutely awesome. And, um, and so I don't want to down anyone. And actually, uh, let's see here. Who was it? Was it, uh, well, I forget. Let's see if I can find it here. I don't see it, uh, which is actually unfortunate because um, we're supposed to talk about it. Um, the idea of Artos being, and we'll talk about this later um, in a few, in, maybe in a few, actually, let's just talk about it now. Okay, we'll talk about it now. Uh, there was a comment left uh, on our YouTube channel and somebody said, you don't, what, so you don't believe the Greek. Now this is a, okay, let, let's back up. Let's jump, <laughs> let's back up. I love how that's phrased, not really. Uh, yeah. It sounds, so you don't, so Caleb, so you hate babies? Yeah, exactly. Um, so th basically let's, let's frame the conversation before we jump into it. There is, uh, uh, Rob and I both fully believe that, uh, the last supper in the gospels is a Passover meal. I've done a lot of work on this. My father has done a lot of work on this. I've written on this. You can find my timeline on growingamessiah.com and, uh, under resources, it's in PDF format. You can grab that. Uh, there's there's a lot of work that's been done on this, and I, after a while, I just finally decided I can't I can't keep having these conversations. Every year, it's the same thing, right? Every year, it's the the same arguments and whatnot. Well, one of the arguments, and this was a, the first time I ever saw this argument, was actually by Zach Bauer in in his uh, in his five nails in the coffin why the pa the last me me uh, supper is not a passover meal and one of the which is, it, it was just i mean it wow was, i wonder has that aged well <laughs> no it has not is uh, he is that person still on that front oh yeah I, I think so he's he's very convinced but the funny thing is, is that his uh his his arguments are all just I, I mean i think zach is it has a real heart for the lord i do i i, I think that he really loves the lord uh, I think that he also uh, has very little training, and uh, and it shows uh, deeply when he says stuff like that. With all of that said, this is the first time I saw this argument, and uh, the argument is this: that uh, the it goes something like this. Now I don't believe this, obviously, but the, the argument goes: well, the Last Supper could not be a Passover meal because the word artos, which means bread, is used. In reference to the bread that, that that Yeshua takes in Mark, I think it's in Mark 14, he he takes the the artos, the bread, and he breaks it. And and artos, as the 
as the uh, argument goes. Artos means bread, and since unleavened bread is commanded for Passover, it, obviously this couldn't be a Passover meal. Because this person is a, a Greek lexicographer, obviously. Oh, and the person who actually put this up online, I mean, I couldn't even read. I, I couldn't even read their their second comment because they got like P one hundred three says that, and it's like, what are you? And then I realized they're using strong numbers. Put down your strongs number. Pick up a oh. a concordance. It, I mean, it, <laughs> anyway. Um, the reason that this is is ridiculous is because it's been it was refuted back in nineteen twelve. Let's read this. Uh, by the way, if if you have uh, if you haven't read this book and and you want to uh, do any work in this, this is the very first book that everyone needs to read. And the reason why is because everyone references this book. This book is a standard and has been a standard since the seventies. I'm saying his name wrong, but this is uh, by you can see all the notes that I have in it. Not because I agree with him on everything, but just because this is the standard. It's called Joachim, Joachim, I think it is, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, um, and it's called the Eucharist, Eucharistic Words of Jesus, and he goes through all sorts of different arguments and whatnot. He lays out 11 arguments that are given on why the Last Supper is not a Passover meal, and then he refutes all of them. The first one on page 62 is this argument. And I'm just going to read some of this for you. Uh, Ever since a short study by Jay Wellhausen appeared in 1906. This is why it's a little, okay, anyway. Um, It has been frequently contended that the Last Supper could not have been a Passover meal because Mark 14.22 and following speaks of bread, artos, whereas only unleavened bread could probably probably be used in describing a Passover meal. Unleavened bread cannot be designated bread. Artos. That's how the argument goes. <clears throat> I don't know what's going on with my throat here. But not one of the numerous writers who have repeated Wellhausen's thesis has taken the trouble to check it. Although as early as 1912, G. Beer had seriously challenged it. As a matter of fact, the contention that unleavened bread cannot be called bread, Artos, is incorrect. Quite apart from the possibility of a mere inaccuracy in the report when Mark 14.22 and following speaks of bread, or from the fact that the Eucharistic practice of the earliest churches, which used ordinary leavened bread, might have led to some inaccuracy of expression, it has to be stated that the word lechem and artos, so lechem is the, uh, the Hebrew word, artos is the Greek word for bread, could be used of both leavened and unleavened bread. Let's stop for a second. How many people... At their Passover Seder this last Saturday night, said the Hamotzi. Said, exactly. Said the Hamotzi prayer over the bread. Lechem. Yeah. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu Melech Alam, Hamotzi Lechem Min Haaretz. It's in every single Passover Seder Sidur. Now, <clears throat> I'm not saying that a tradition that holds true today was extant in the first century. In fact, I don't think that. However, the point is, is that Judaism... The protest would make just as much sense. Exactly. If, if for them the to Jews say... The Jews aren't celebrating... How, about, how dare the rabbis use the word <laughs> lechem? Oh, my word. I can't... Uh, they, these Jews aren't celebrating a Passover nail meal. Nail in the coffin, buddy. It, it, nail, it's a nail in the coffin right there. Nail, nail in, in the, the coffin, coffin that, that the Jews are not celebrating a Passover meal. <laughs> Uh, uh, let's go on real quick here, and I'm almost well, done with it. You the, know what? It's it's our educational system's fault. <laughs> I mean, okay. we don't know. We don't think to rehearse. We to to research and 
And no, act, I, we, we take a sensationalist message and run with it. And we run the flag up the pole as if we are like championing the truth. When in fact, we have, we're demonstrating our failure to do due diligence. In, re, in respect to the person who left this comment, first of all, this person is working out of Strong's Concordance. And so they try to do their, their, their due diligence. The unfortunate part is you need to get out of your Strong's Concordance and grab a lexicon. You're not going to, first of all, second of all. Yeah, uh, and you need to gain some basic skills in the language, even to just, you know, yeah, the strong numbers do not help. Like I've had people email me just like Caleb, you know, G1234 versus H012 or whatever. And it's like, I'm not, this means nothing. Yeah, I have no clue what you're talking about. But but because but the other thing is the other thing is is that I've realized that you know what I do the same thing so I can't be too hard on people. What I do is I talk about passages of scripture that I have not fully sat down, looked at commentaries, opened up the Greek or the Hebrew and fully looked at. So I wondered even this past week like how many videos do we have up where it's like somebody who's like made this their PhD dissertation, this passage, their PhD dissertation is sitting there going, these guys have no clue what they're talking about. And and that's certainly possible. Um, it probably is true. Okay. Let's keep going real quick and then we'll... Uh, and then you know what? They can make a video and laugh at us yes. and hopefully we'll learn it. We'll watch the video and we'll go, oh, okay, we're wrong. Yep. It can further be shown that it is it was quite the common practice to call unleavened bread simply bread, that is lechem or artos. Decisive proof of this in view of the extraordinary abundance of testimony, and he gives abundant testimony on the next page, is the description of the 12 loaves of the showbread, which were arranged on their special table in the sanctuary of the temple. The showbread is constantly referred to as artos. In the Septuagint, and the uh, and the showbread is unleavened bread. So, I mean, right there, right there, the the uh, uh, idea that artos cannot mean unleavened bread is obviously proved false. But in case you are wondering, um, Philo, Josephus, the Targums, (laughs) many of the Targums, the Mishnah, and the Talmud. All refer to unleavened bread as either lechem, that is bread, or artos, that is bread. So the notion that this can't mean unleavened bread, it comes from a a, a place of ignorance. That's all there is to it. It comes from a place of ignorance. And that's not to say that people are ignorant who believe it. Rather that, and you know what, I'm sure that... Six or seven years ago, I probably would have fallen into this exact same thing. Um, but, you know, it takes this is kind of one of those things where the reason scholars don't talk about it is because it got laid to rest so long ago. There's no scholar who would argue this today. And there's reason that that's the reason why. So um, I'm going to cut I'm going to clip this this specific portion and put it up as a uh, a single, uh, you know, video. And that way, the next time somebody tries to abrogate, I'm using that word wrong, anyway, tries to push this uh, notion of Artos, we can just copy and paste a link. Anything else on that before we move on? Uh, yeah, no, that, that that's a great point. There's testimony as broadly as you just ex- described. The word Artos and the Hebrew word Lechem are both semantically fluid 
and they both are used to talk about matzah. Uh, December, December, Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy 16 is another place where it's, it's called the artos. The, the matzah specifically is called artos, the bread of affliction, the artos of affliction. And that's the point. And so people who are running with this kind of craziness and describing it as a nail in the coffin or whatever, those are people who are protesting without knowledge. And the problem is they can gather a bunch of people who then go and think that that's true and they run with it. And then it's a bunch of people going running down the wrong way. Right. So, well, we had some interesting other comments, um, this week. Um, and so let's just go to it. Abner, um, basically said that we, with our views of the, uh, the Passover, the rabbis pulling in outside tradition and making it their own. He said that this was replacement theology. He said, you guys are replacement theologians. This is, this is replacement theology. Okay. First of all, you keep using that word. I don't think you know what that word means. Okay. And the reason why is because replacement theology says that you replace Israel. The rabbis and the and basically what I said was, look, the, the, the sages, as you call them, uh, reject Yeshua, say he's burning an excrement uh, in hell. And, you know, they make up all sorts of false <laughs> false doctrine and all sorts of stuff. And so Abner writes back, he says, the sages rejected Yeshua, so Christianity replaces Judaism. Now, first of all, we've never said that. That's not the, uh, that's not the argument that we ever made. It's not what we believe. What we've said is that, and once again, let's stop for a second and just see what the argument is. We say there are traditions that did not originate in Judaism that the rabbis have pulled into the Passover Seder. They're not of the Bible, and therefore they really can be taken or left. That's what we've said. And this person now thinks in their head, uh, these people say Christianity replaces Judaism. Okay. He says, it's not all about Jesus slash Yeshua. Stop. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is so all. A, that's, ab- a, that's a replacement theology statement. Yeah. Oh, it's not all about Yeshua. Boy, you know, on the road to Emmaus, Yeshua said, it's all about me. Yeah. <laughs> Starting from Moses and the prophets. He said in the Gospel of John, he told them, Moses wrote about me. Now, that's a bold statement. Yeah, it is. But Yeshua can't lie. He's the Messiah. He's the son of David. He is the incarnate son of God. He's our savior. He's the way, the <laughs> truth, and the life. No way to the Father but by him. And he's, it's just, that's the stumbling block for people. Well, they, they don't like that he's not just a sage. He's not just a rabbi with all the rabbis of blessed memory, quote, unquote. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's no, no. Yeshua see, see, is this, who he says he is. This shows a sickness in uh, this person. I don't know if this person's name is really Abner or not, um, but it shows a sickness in their theology that they obviously have not understood. Yes, it is all, all about Jesus slash Yeshua. It is all about him. Everything. And if it's, not, if it's not all about him for you, then you are not a disciple of his, right? I mean... It, 
Well, and he says, it's not all about Yeshua, uh, Jesus slash Yeshua. We should follow his example, which doesn't mean rejecting Israel. <clears throat> we should follow Yeshua's example. But this same person probably thinks we should follow, quote, the sages' example. Oh, let's keep going with the comment then. The Jewish leadership at the time of Yeshua was corrupt, but that doesn't mean that the Jewish law was corrupt. What do you mean by Jewish law? Are you talking about the Torah or are you talking about the rabbinical writings that come four to 600 years after Yeshua's on earth? Yeah. He says Yeshua had a problem with the Jewish leadership being hypocritical and called them out for it. It was nothing. It has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with the validity of Jewish oral law. Which Jewish oral law? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So not Sadducean oral law, not the Essenes oral law, not even the Pharisees oral law, because Yeshua called them out on on things. And you know what? The Pharisees were not the only targets of Yeshua in terms of people who needed correction. So this person needs to spend more time. If if they really say they're a disciple of Yeshua, they need they have some things that they need to work out. I don't think you can be a true disciple of Yeshua and say that it's not all about Yeshua. Agreed. Yeah, how could you that's that's the, that shows that you're not a disciple. That shows that you you have a low view of, of Christ. You have a low view of, of Yeshua, which means that at some point at some point you'll sell you'll be like Judah. Judah sold out Yeshua. Why? Because it wasn't all about. Yeah, exactly. He wanted it, money money over Yeshua, <clears throat> and in this case, rabbis over Yeshua. Right? <clears throat> Man, he says the claim you're making further solidifies your replacement theology. Okay, let me explain what replacement theology is, since Abner clearly doesn't understand what that word means. Replacement theology says that a different people group replaces Israel as the people of God. Okay. I don't believe in replacement theology. I believe in enlargement theology. I believe that those who attach themselves to the, to Israel through the covenants become part of is become part of Israel through covenantal relationship, and that enlarges Israel. It does not replace them. Therefore, the Jews who are Israel by blood remain covenant members through faith in Christ. That's what I believe. Um, so I don't believe in replacement theology. However, I also don't believe that uh, you can place the rabbis on par with the apostolic scriptures. I'm talking about scripture here. You're talking about rabbinical man-made thought. So Yeah, I, I got an email of someone asking about this um, fast of the firstborn and how there was a breaking the fast of the firstborn a night before Passover and that they were they had reframed, I think there's a rabbi in Israel or something teaching this. And so they teach that the Last Supper, quote unquote, is this breaking the, is the meal after the fast of the firstborn. So, See, uh, yeah, and then they, and then, and then, well, let me finish. And then the backdrop, the argument to support that this is the way we should read the gospels is by quoting rabbis from the middle ages up to today. And I'm saying they're putting rabbinic discourse above the written text of scripture. And they're, and 
that is so backwards and it's just going to mislead. It's going to confuse a bunch of people and it's going to teach people to not attend to the actual scripture. That's what's before us. Well, listen to this. This shows that people have not understood what we're saying. Joseph in the chat room says, Caleb slash Rob, how do you guys celebrate Passover with tradition without tradition? No one said that we would throw out all tradition and no one. The point is not that, that we're against tradition. The point is identifying the fact that tradition is tradition. It's a separate category than the Word of God. Exactly. I'm not saying that's that why you Yeshua says they're separate. I'm not saying that you shouldn't pick up a, a Passover Haggadah if that's what you want to do. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a Seder plate if that's what you want to do. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go through the blessings that that uh, that the Jews have put together and compiled if that's what you want to do. To say that that's the command of God on the other hand, is wrong, first of the all. Core, exactly, exactly. And, a, a, and, oh, go ahead, finish. Well, and second of all, to, to, to think that these traditions go all the way back to Yeshua. What did Yeshua's tr- Passover meal look like? It didn't look like he was sitting there with a Passover plate and a shank bone on it and an egg and, and saying, now we're going to take this and now break the matzahs. No, this stuff didn't go back to Yeshua. So the point is, is that... What did Yeshua's Passover look like? If you think that it looked like the Passover Seder that the Jews are doing in their homes now in the 21st century, you are absolutely wrong. That doesn't mean that it's necessarily wrong to do those things. All we're trying to do is categorize what goes back to the first century. The Afi Komen doesn't go back to the first century. We, we know that Afi Komen is a Greek word. We know that Karpas is a Greek word. Karpas, and that'll be written in Hebrew letters on every you know, fancy Pesach plate, right? It'll have a Karpas section. That's a Greek word. It's not in the Torah, right? What's going on? It's adoption of a broader culture and a reintegration to create ritual. That's what's happening. And one core way that you just, that we must as disciples of Yeshua stand for is this core differentiation. Yeshua says tradition and the word of God are separate lanes. They're separate categories. The rabbis in the world of the Mishnah and the Talmud is that it's one category that you cannot differentiate tradition from the word of God because it all goes back to Moses at Sinai. It's all revealed Torah. Every discussion and every dispute of every rabbi throughout the centuries are said to already have been revealed to Moses at Sinai. That is the rabbinic bottom line that they're, that you, you do not separate because it's all Torah. Yeshua does not give us permission to do that. He mandates that these are separate categories. And if anybody wants to come and say Yeshua is wrong, Oh, Yeshua didn't mean that Yeshua is just another rabbi. You are not listening to the text that has been preserved for us. You're not seriously a disciple of Yeshua if you're holding to that. Here's the thing is that if you were, let's, let's just answer the question. How would you celebrate it without tradition? If a person takes unleavened bread, which is commanded by Torah, sits down at the Passover table with his family, reads the gospel account of Yeshua dying on the cross so that it's done in remembrance of him. They break the matzah. They have a meal together. They read the the account of Yeshua dying on the cross. Have they celebrated the Passover? Obviously, if the temple is standing, they'd have a a lamb at the table. Have they celebrated the Passover? The answer is yes. They have. Exactly. Caleb, exactly. You've hit on an important point. As a believer in Yeshua, am I obligated to bring 
remembrance of Yeshua into the Pesach Seder. Yes. Okay. Do the rabbis make that an obligation? No. So who do I follow? Exactly. If I go celebrate a Pesach Seder and nobody mentions Yeshua, that Yeshua died for us, that Yeshua instituted the, this cup and the bread as his blood in his body, talking about forgiveness of sins and new creation. If that's not part of our Passover Seder, the rabbis will say, oh, you're fine. As a matter of fact, if you mention those things in an Orthodox Seder, how do you think that's going to go? Exactly. Not well. They don't want that there. They don't want it there. And, and but the, but that's the point is that what you have what you have is you have people saying if you don't do it the way that the rabbis say in other words look I'm not saying that you need to pass right you haven't really kept it then. yeah and I'm not I'm not saying that you have to have a pass a, a, a seder plate or that you have to have an you know you you can't have an afikoman or you can't have any of these things what I'm saying is if a person let's pretend a person just comes to the Torah now we had we had probably five or six people at our Passover meal that had never celebrated Passover before. Never. This is their first year. Okay. If I would have taken all those Seder plates and said, we're not using these this year, if I would have taken the Afikoman and said, we're not doing this this year, if I would have sat down at the, at the, uh, at the, at the Passover meal, as we'll call it, even though there's no lamb there, well, there is a lamb, right? Yeshua is with us at our at Passover table so, so, table, so we actually do have the lamb at our table. Nonetheless, if I sat down, all I had was meat, matzah and our dinner, and I and we sat down and we read the story of Yeshua dying on the cross. We said that this is what it's all about right here. Let's eat some matzah. Bless the Lord for it. Have I done anything wrong? Have I, have I not celebrated the Passover? I'm not saying that you have to get rid of all those things. What I'm saying is those are traditions. The point is, is we can sit down, we can break some matzah, and we can we can do it in remembrance of Yeshua. Read the Yeshua, scripture, right? And as we're his good. disciples, as his disciples, my position is, we start and we we recognize, oh, oh, there's a tendency in religion for traditions to take over the the word of God. Religion meaning in Christian slash Jewish religion. Because this happens in Christianity just as much. I'm not. I'm not picking on the Jewish world specifically because we oh, we yeah. can we can think of countless ways that this has happened in the history of Christianity. The point <laughs> yes, is, if we yes. take Yeshua's instructions seriously, it means wow, the Word of God must be this sharp two-edged sword. It it endures forever, but yet the whims of man come and go and the fads of man come and go and the doctrines of man come and go. And like Jeremiah said, you know, the heart is deceitful above all. Hmm. And so if knowing this, Yeshua says, there's a difference here that when I'm studying the scripture, I'm supposed to keep an eye out for the leaven of the doctrines of the Pharisees or the leaven of the doctrines of the, of the Sadducees. And I want to learn to say, okay, by comparing contrast, God says this, this group says this, God's word says this, and it, what does it do? It points us in a path, it's a narrow path, where we have to learn the word of God more and more and more and guard it and protect it in our hearts and, and be suspicious of our own ability, our own fallen capacity to twist and make things something they're not. It's a, it's a, it's a high calling. 
but it means we're suspicious of traditions of men in that they have the capacity. And we're not inventing this. Yeshua warned us and his, his disciples warned us after them that men like to make rules and justify themselves and call things holy and sacred, which in fact are not right. endorsed so by God. We all have to do this. We all have to be on the watch of our own hearts on how we learn. And what we're doing is we're growing in differentiating those two categories, the word of God on the one hand and the traditions of man. Yeshua says, Yeshua never said, like Caleb just said, that all tradition is bad. Yeshua never commanded us that. He never said that. Right. He said, you have to grow and mature and to be able to differentiate the two. And it's the word of God that endures forever. And the traditions of man come and go. Yeah, two two things here, and and then I'm going to tell a, a quick story about this. That's that's going to take it away from the Passover meal, so you can see that we're not just uh, trying to, you know, we're not just attacking one specific tradition here. Okay, first of all, uh, that was not to. Now, I res- we responded to Joseph in the in the chat room. That was not to pounce on Joseph. I think actually. Joseph put up a comment that that I think a lot of people, you know, when we say this is tradition, people automatically think Robin Caleb think tradition is bad and they're throwing it out. And that's not what we're saying. And so uh, we, I just wanted to use Joseph's comment as kind of a standard in terms of this is one line of thought that I think a lot of people think. And so I, I appreciate Joseph's comment and, and, his, and the question there. And uh, that wasn't to try to slam Joseph specifically in the chat room. That's number one. Number two is that uh, Lee has given us a super chat, and so we want to say thank you. Can anyone hear that? Yes, okay. Um, Yes. So uh, Thanks, Lee. Thank you, Lee, for the super chat. If you want to leave us a super chat, you will be mentioned as well on this show. Um, you and get then, a special blessing. <laughs> yeah, you get a special blessing from us, a special Passover blessing from us. Um, okay. And then finally, I want to tell a story about tradition. Now, I grew up going to a non-denominational Christian church on Sundays, and on Saturdays, from the age of six on, I went to a Messianic Jewish synagogue, structured very much like a like a, a traditional synagogue service. Um, you know, and when I say that, some people might not, not know what that means. But uh, what I mean by that is your service was not an hour like your average Baptist or Presbyterian uh, service. Our service was like three to four hours long, right? Um, and that was just what we got used to. Okay, so I grow up. And my wife and I have children, and I think, you know, I knew some people who went to this Presbyterian church down the road. And it's not far from my house. In fact, it's about a mile from my house, so I can drive there in under three minutes, and I'm there, right? I think, you know, I wonder if anybody's still there. I'm going to go to their service today. So I go to the Presbyterian church. Now, keep in mind, I've never actually been to a Presbyterian church before. I've been to Pentecostal churches plenty. I've been to Baptist churches, and I've been to Messianic services and non-denominational services. I've never been to a Presbyterian church. So I walk into the Presbyterian church, and I sit down. And I was the only person not wearing a suit. I was wearing like, I was very out of place because I didn't know what to wear. And we're told to stand. We're told they have these things in the pews in front where you pull it down and it's a kneeler. You kneel at certain times. They got these books you're reading. There's a guy up in front with robes on. 
I am out of my element, right? I am just out of my element. <laughs> and after I left, I had to think about that for a while. Now, all of what they were doing was tradition. Let's just be completely honest. If, if, if we think that the Presbyterian church is doing what Jesus did or Yeshua did in the first century in the synagogue, these people are off. Okay. Um, this pro there probably wasn't kneelers in, in the pews in, in, uh, Yeshua's church, right? I'm, there's a lot of tongue, tongue in cheek going on here for those who don't know. Uh, but the point is, is that as I think about this, the synagogue service that I grew up in, the question that I had to ask myself is, and we've talked about this recently, uh, the question that I've had to ask myself is, is the synagogue service that I grew up in any more valid in the eyes of God than the Presbyterian church that I visited? And I think the answer has to be no. The reason why is because you have a lot of man-made tradition in both. Both services read the Word of God. Both services utilize liturgical prayer from the Word of God. And both services utilize uh, prayer and, and uh, you know, fellowship together. These are the things that I think are important for a community service. Now, expression of how that's going to happen and tradition that goes along with it is not bad. It's not bad to have those traditions. The people who grew up in the Presbyterian church, that's what they're used to, and they know it, and they like it, and that's fine. I grew up in a Messianic synagogue. Uh, a lot of those traditions, you know, I'm used to, and they feel at home to me. But if you switch the people in the services, the Messianic synagogue and the Presbyterian and the Presbyterian and the Messianic, everybody's going to feel uncomfortable, but there's nothing wrong necessarily with the way that people are worshiping. That's the point. So tradition is different than the commands of Torah. And really all we're commanded to do on Shabbat is, it's a mikvah chodesh. It's a holy gathering, right? Okay, that's my story. I'm done. Um, but I hope that that kind of shows people a category, a category that we're trying to speak in here. And that is tradition versus... Um, so what do you say if someone says, well, I'm part of the Christian church, and yeah, we celebrate... Um, Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. We don't call, let's say, I because I know people, oh, we don't call it Easter. We call it Resurrection Sunday. And um, we uh, we keep it according to the church's calendar, not according to the Bible calendar. And so what's the problem? That's our tradition. We, we, still, we still acknowledge the season. Now, it might not be on the same exact day as, as what the, Hebrew calendar is, but, you know, we're still doing it according to a different tradition. So, okay. And, and I think that this gets into a completely different conversation of if we can prove from the Bible that something is wrong, um, is it wrong? And the answer is obviously, yes, it is. Now, I think that we get into some dicey waters when we talk about these things, because if you say to the Presbyterian, no, you know, you should be worshiping on, let's say, Shabbat. Shabbat's, yeah, right. Shabbat's on Sunday. Right? Yeah. yeah. Then, then they're going to say, well, no, we have a different interpretation. They're going to do all these jumping through hoops and whatnot to get to a different tradition that they have um, or a different interpretation, which they're not going to say is tradition. They're going to say, no, this is, this is interpretation of Scripture. Obviously, I think they're wrong. But ultimately, I think this is one of the reasons that leaders are judged more harshly. You know, we're told that in the scripture. And why is because 
I, I mean, this is one of the uh, things that makes me really tremble when I think about the fact that I lead a community. I help lead a community. And praise the Lord that I have other men around me who are helping with this task. But ultimately, the idea that I'm leading other souls in the worship of the Almighty God and the thought that we could be doing something that is contrary. And this is one of the reasons that I constantly go through the, uh, the, the routine of, of looking at what we're doing. Is, can I see in Scripture where this is wrong? Are there people telling me that this is wrong? And if so, why are they telling that to me? So um, I, I think that as leaders, we really have to sit back and, and take a look at that. We are uh, our, our, our call out for um, our call out for uh, super chats has uh, brought another one. Nope, thank you. <laughs> has given us a super chat and uh, we really appreciate it. I'm gonna do a different uh, I'm gonna do some more. Let's see here. I'm going to do a couple of sound bites here because I want to. Weights and measures. Trust me, I'm a Canadian here. You've been blessed. Thank you very much. Nope, thank you. Uh, for the super chat. Please That's funny because it's, it's nope, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. No, no, it sounds like no, thank nope. you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah. If And I should say this. Now, now we can switch to a little bit more fun note. If you want to super chat and you want something played off the soundboard. Just put what you want played off the soundboard if you know it well enough. And uh, we will uh, we'll play it in our response. As long as it's not like 18 things. I want your entire soundboard played. Okay, let's <laughs> do, move. Do, do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, um, let's see here. Let's move on because we've, t- I mean, this one, <laughs> Abner's comment, although I thoroughly and totally disagree with it, uh, it has brought almost 40 minutes of conversation. So thank you for that. Okay. That was the Artos one, right? No, that was the or one no, after. No, that was the rabbinic one. Okay. Yeah. It's not all about Jesus slash Yeshua. This... Let's keep going in this vein. Yeah, that's, wow. Bruggy, B-R-U-G-G-Y, comments and says, and actually this person got upset and was like, I don't understand why you guys keep coming up in my uh, in my suggestion feed. I, you guys are way off. It was like, okay, I'm sorry. You know, like I don't. I'm not the YouTube algorithm. I apologize. So anyway, this person says, what's the source for the sages saying Yeshua is going to burn in hell with feces? And that actually uh, was posted by Scott in uh, in response to this. So he actually brought out the Talmudic uh, passage. Um, Yeshua was Jewish and he'll come back Jewish. Yeah, let's stop right there and, and talk about that for a second. I agree completely that Yeshua is ethnically Jewish and I agree that he will come back Ethnically Jewish, no problem with that at all. Do you mean, though, by the statement that Yeshua is Jewish and he'll come back Jewish, that Yeshua is an Orthodox, a modern Orthodox Jew and will come back a modern Orthodox Jew? In other words, do you think that Yeshua is coming back on the white horse with black and white, with payas and a and a black, you know, <laughs> like yarmulke, and maybe a, uh, maybe he's wearing a a, 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 a fuzzy, yeah a, a fuzzy hat. Is that what you mean by he's coming back Jewish? Because that's not what's going on. Um. Anyway, okay, let's keep going. He didn't say the Torah was only for the Jews, but he also never said to stop being Jewish. Once again, I think that people have a categorical failure here. The idea that modern Judaism. <laughs> 
Orthodox <laughs> Judaism as we see it was around in the first century is totally false. It's just not the case. Do you think that Yeshua... Caleb, it goes all the way back to Moses. Of course. Now, do, do people really think that Yeshua was wearing a yarmulke? Look, I, I'll tell you this. I've, I've watched The Chosen, the, the show The Chosen. I actually really enjoy it. I think that they've, done, they've taken some liberty, but I think that they've, they've done some, some good work with that set. And, and the reason I think they've done good work is because I think that they've actually personalized the characters. I really wish they wouldn't have uh, utilized uh, like Eastern accents, English accents, Eastern um, whatever they should have just like got British. No, I no, no. It, it's so. it, it's like it, they're trying to like replicate like Israeli and like Arab uh, in, accents, like as if somebody was a natural born Hebrew speaker would have an accent. And in and it's bad. Oh, it's okay. bad. It's it's distracting. My wife was like, I almost can't watch this because of the horrible accents. It is true. <laughs> uh, with that said. And if you if you ever watch the interview with these guys, you know, like the guy who plays Jesus, he's a, he's a Roman Catholic, but he uh, he's like, oh yeah, you know, I really took, and he's just normal, you know, he's from New York. So anyway, so he's it's manufactured. Oh yeah, of, yeah, yeah, and it's obvious when you listen to. Yeah, it. Anyway. I can't. I it, I have trouble. I know we're not talking about that. I have trouble watching any you know that kind of thing with the gospels represented in movies. I just have trouble. I've always said, and it's the text. We got to go to the 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 text. I'm a text centric. The Lord heard my prayer in a very funny way. (laughs) Okay. I got two, I got two stories on this. First of all, I was like, Lord, why is it that every depiction of the, of a new Testament story has people with British accents? Why can't, and they're fake British accents half the time. Why can't they just not have British accents? Apparently the Lord is like, done and now they have horrible <laughs> middle eastern accents instead uh, okay um can should we stop can i tell a story real quick tell 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 okay so the other day and i don't think my neighbor watches this so that's fine the other day i'm sitting at you know for my morning devotions and i'm praying and i say to the lord i say father there's this guy across the street his name's rick i know I know him only by name, and we've said hi a couple of times in six years. Father, give me opportunity to talk to this man and to get to know this man better. Okay? So that's my prayer in the morning. That night, 8 o'clock at night, I get a knock on the door. I open the door. It's Rick. Hi, Rick. What's going on? I just slammed into your car. <laughs> he totally just he just totally ran into the front of my car and just busted my whole bumper and everything off. <laughs> I'm like And you're like, praise God. Yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> and he's like, excuse me? I'd be irate. He was. I was like, well, thanks so much. And he was like, thanks for what? <laughs> for running into your car. And I was like, well, thanks for knocking on my door. <laughs> anyway, okay. Let's keep going with this. Sorry. Where were we? Um, nice. Oh, that yeah. Was good. Being Jewish. Being Jewish. Yeah, Jewish. So anyway. It, oh, yeah, The Chosen. I was making a point about that. You know, they, they try to, they, they're wearing like talits in certain parts. Guys have faux yarmulkes kind of in certain areas. There's just a lot of like modern Judaism that's been put back into The Chosen. And I get it. I understand. Did they have like a consultant for that? Yeah, they have a messianic rabbi. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We don't get a lot of you in here when we do. No. Um, seriously? Oh, oh man. That's funny. A messianic funny. rabbi. That's yeah. an oxymoron right there. That's the one. 
We do not get a lot of humor here, and when we do, it's wonderful. Okay. Um, anyway, the point is, is that like, I think that this is the notion that like modern Orthodox Judaism was extant in the first century. And this was the Pharisees. And when, when, when Jesus is, is referred to as a Jew, basically all it is, 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 you know, oh, well, he was, he was walking around with a black yarmulke and pay us. And, you know, this is, this is the notion. That's not how it was. Okay. Let's keep going with this comment. You pretty much believe in predestination. No, we don't pretty much believe in predestination. We fully are on board with predestination. So anyway, we pr- you pretty much believe in predestination and that God chooses certain people to go to heaven and he doesn't have a chosen nation, which is clearly against Torah because God chose Israel. We believe that there, that God chose Israel and we believe that Israel is the chosen people of God. God chose Abraham, and the core message of the gospel is, in your seed, all the nations of the world would be blessed. Right. And Paul says in Galatians, that's the core message of the gospel. So the rest of history, then, is God setting apart those who are part of that promise, those who are in Abraham. And ultimately, to be in Abraham, you have to be in Messiah. If you belong to Messiah, Paul says, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. It doesn't matter what ethnicity, it doesn't matter what tribe or any of that. Evelyn in the chat room says, maybe when we say Christ is Jewish, we're really saying he's Torah observant. I have no problem with that, but the question is, do you equate, and I not Evelyn, but do people equate being Torah observant with Orthodox Judaism? That's that's my point. And if so, then then we got a problem. Let's keep going with uh, Bruggy's comment. The entire Torah and Tanakh is about Israel. No, it's about Yeshua, but okay. And his chosen people, Israel, right? How does Yeshua come in and change that? Uh, we have never said he does. He was a Jew, wasn't he? Yes. He never, th- he never taught hal- halacha because he didn't need to. It was common knowledge and he never taught against it. Paul was the one who asked, what advantage has the Jew? Then goes on to answer his own question. They were entrusted with the oracles of God. Non-Jews are welcome to come in, but they must live a Jewish lifestyle. <laughs> and this is why the, the uh, show is, in, is titled um, Replacing the Gospel with the Talmud. These people, Bruggy and uh, what was his name? Abner, they want to replace the apostolic scriptures with the Talmud. That's all there is to it. The idea that somehow the halakha of the uh, modern Judaism was extant in the first century is not true. So what do you mean by non-Jews are welcome to come in, but they must live a Jewish lifestyle? No, that's not true. The, the idea that Judaism today equals Torah is wrong. The Torah is not Jewish. The Torah is is God's law to all the nations. And so we live a life. We're to be Abrahamish. Yeah. <laughs> We're, I mean, it makes as much sense. Yeah. And, and honestly, I mean, this is why I don't call it the Jewish calendar. It's not the Jewish calendar. It's the Hebrew it's calendar. It's the feast of the Lord. That's and it's right. It's the feast of the Lord. It's not the feast of the Jews or the feast of the. Exactly. The, the I, I completely agree that the Torah is given to Israel. Israel has the obligation to now take it and be a light to the world. What does that mean? They take the Torah to the nations. It's not theirs to hide under a bushel. I know that we're mixing now Christian imagery with 
uh, and New Testament imagery with Tanakh imagery and you know Jewish imagery. But the point is, is that the Torah is not to be hid under a bushel. Why? Because the Torah does what? It's all about Jesus slash Yeshua. It points to Christ. And so the Jews were entrusted to take the oracles of God to the nations so that the, so that the nations could then do what? Find Christ and follow Christ, follow Yeshua, follow God. So it's not a, it's not a Jewish, do, the, the Torah is not a Jewish doc, document. That's not true. Um, Here's another side point to that is that Yeshua says the, the law and the prophets prophesied until John. That means Yeshua is affirming that John the Baptist is just as much of a prophet as Jeremiah, just as much a prophet as Isaiah, and that they all were saying the same message. They're all calling Israel to repentance. And Israel, time and time again, rejected and abused the prophets the true prophets who were speaking by the Holy Spirit. John was included in that line. And the rabbis today don't acknowledge John the Baptist as a prophet. Right. So what are they doing? If you have a people that teaches against who Yeshua says was part of the line of prophets, am I supposed to listen to them now? Are they somehow authorities because they're, quote, Jewish? Or do I go back and go, okay, Yeshua said I need to discern between the Word of God and the traditions of men, and I have to take a step back and say, you know what? Okay, I can't follow you, rabbis. Well, it, now, this, this is a great point, Rob, and, and I, I like to put this back into the idea of the, the Judaism. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a later word and put it back into the, to the Torah text. What about the Judaisms of the time of of Israel and Chronicles and Kings? Okay, so the people today who are saying, "Oh no, we're supposed to follow Judaism. We're supposed to follow the Jews." Okay, so then what about the the times that that the uh, Kings and Judaism, the leaders of Judaism, quote unquote, are now following after the Baals? They're Jewish. Does that mean that we're supposed to follow after them as well? So how does it make sense that if we're not supposed to follow after them, we're supposed to follow after the modern rabbis who reject Yeshua, reject the prophet of at least John the Baptist, if not others? And Yeshua put it. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Keep going. Go, go. Yeshua put it right in the hand. He, he goes to leaders and he say, I'll answer your question. First, I'm going to ask you a question. The prophet John the Baptist and his baptism and his prophecy, was that from heaven or was that from men? Right. That's Yeshua's question. That question is just as true today to the to the rabbis uh, that are uh, advocating Talmud as it was for the high priests in the first century. That question is for Israel. That's a question that the Messiah is saying to Israel. The baptism of John, was that from heaven or men? It's one or the other. Yeah. And if you can't answer that question, then Yeshua says, neither am I going to tell you by what authority I do these things. That's, it's, it's that clear. But if we're not text-specific, if we say, oh, you know, I kind of read the gospel once, and then I leave it alone, and then I, I just know it already, that I'm going to go study the Talmud and spend all my time in the Talmud, that person's going to develop a Talmudic worldview, and every time they think about a thought about Yeshua or the gospel, they're going to really be just re 
regurgitating whatever they've absorbed from the rabbis. That's not who Yeshua calls us to be. We need to be gospel-centric. We need to know the text. What are we learning from the text? Yes. Not what are we learning from the traditions of men and then spending our time in the world of tradition where we're not even discerning the truth of the Word of God. Yeshua offers this confrontation. Look at John the Baptist, from heaven or from men, it's black or white. Right. Yeah. And and you go to the those who advocate, you know, in Orthodox Judaism, they're not even going to know who John the Baptist was or what he taught. So they're not, they're I mean, today, if they haven't even read the gospel, they're not even going to know who he is. That's a problem in Israel's camp. Right. That's a problem within Israel, not knowing who John the Baptist was. That's not a Gentile problem. Right. Yeah. And hey, look, I'll be one of the first to admit Christianity has not been the uh, the model of of uh, following the word of God in all Agreed. areas. Abs- exactly. That's what I was saying earlier. What, what the, this tradition thing is a human problem. Right. Right. And you still have this today. You have people who are going to, I mean, you go to almost any uh, modern church today and walk in and say you should be ce- celebrating the, the Sabbath, they're going to say that's been done away with. That's a tradition in, in hermeneutics. That's not, nobody's getting that from the Bible themselves. They're just not. You're not going to look in the Bible and say, oh, look, Christ did away with the Sabbath here. There's nowhere. So the point is, is that this comes from a hermeneutic and it's a tradition and it's a bad tradition. I am not trying to say Christianity good, Judaism bad. What I'm trying to say is let's look at the Bible. And and honestly, this is one of the reasons that I think that the Lord continues to reform the church. We see the Reformation in the 1500s. I think we're seeing the Reform a, a second. Actually, there's been the so-called Second Reformation. But okay, fine. Let's accept it. Let's say that this is the Third Reformation. <laughs> but I have to be reformed as an individual every day. Exactly. Right. The yes. old man has to die today. Yep. Right. The cross. I bear the cross today. Yes. I don't bear the cross yesterday, and then I'm go- I'm good. I'm good. Right. We are, we are learning every day in, day out, as the Lord's mercies are renewed every morning, that we what it, what it means to be a new creation in Christ over against the old man and its lusts and its, its pride and, it, and all its puffiness. It, this is a big theme, of course, for, for the unleavened bread uh, season that we're in because of that's the theme. It's like, what, is, what does it mean to be unleavened in, in sincerity and truth? That's a core concept that the gospels bring to our our focus what what is it that that how is it that traditions and doctrines of men and and didache is the word the t- teachings of men become like leaven why does yeshua teach us this we're we're supposed to sit and think on those things and talk about it and right. and be honest with ourselves all right it's been a fun one uh, we got more to talk about next week, so come on back. Uh, don't forget to be a part of this conversation. We would love you to be. Call our comment line. It's just a comment line. It's a message machine. You won't talk to us. 253-465-3205. It won't hang up on you if you yell. Yeah, exactly. 253-465-3205. <laughs> 
Uh, you can shoot us an email, seaheggatorahresource.com. It's H-E-G-C-H-E-G-G at torahresource.com. Go to Torah Resource for all sorts of free stuff. Uh, thank you to everyone in the chat room. It's been a lot of fun. There's been a lot of conversation in there. And uh, even to the people who uh, might think that we're disagreeing with you, um, this is actually one of the things that, that fuels this show. So to people like Joseph in the chat room, great comment. Appreciate it. Um, helps us kind of flush out what we're trying to say, because I think a lot of the time uh, it might not be as clear as we think we're actually And thanks doing. for the super chat. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the super chat to everyone who super chats. And uh, yeah, we will see you next week. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? You know why. Because Messiah matters. Messiah matters.